Welcome back to Chasing the Chip. This is episode 40 now. I am your host, Moise, as always, alongside my co-host, Dre. How you doing, Dre? I'm alright, man. How are you? I'm good. It's been a while since we've had an opportunity to sit down and do this. I'm excited to get back to it, you know, as much as I can be excited for the Washington Commanders now. It's been so long, Dre, that we have not even addressed the fact that this team has a new name. So <laughs> I know. I want to ask you, what are your first thoughts and impressions about the name Commanders? Um, Compared to most of the fan base, I don't really mind it. I think it's a, a decent name. I feel like for the most part, all Squish names are pretty corny and they've just kind of grown on us. Like they're all basic animals or like something stupid. So I feel like it's it's going to take time, but I'm, I'm pretty used to it. I'm just looking forward to more merch. And I think it's definitely something that we can build off of. You know, we had a lot of memories with the old name and it's definitely something that will be missed. But I feel like at the end of the day, this is the same team. And as long as we stay, you know, in the area and, you know, kind of build off that and keep the colors, it is what it is. So uh, it's not too bad. And it's definitely grown on me and I'm I'm embracing it to the fullest. I'm I'm at this point right there with you. But uh, when the name first got released, I will be honest, I was not happy. I was, uh, I just don't think Commanders as a name. Yeah, I mean, all sports names are, you know, corny. They're all kind of cheesy, little campy. But Commanders specifically, I don't know what it is. It's just not like, it's not really a name I would associate with sports when I first hear of it. It's, and I understand, you know, the whole military tie-in aspect is something, especially in the Ron Rivera administration, this team very much seems to emphasize. But you know, I, I think I would have preferred just like a standard animal, like you know the hawks. Or yeah, the I mean, even the warriors. I, I thought would have been cool, but it's yeah, it's fine. Warriors was my favorite, but I feel like too, like what you saying, like you don't really associate it with sports. I mean, you know, it's I mean, like we associate bears with sports, but I mean, let's be real, like that's you know a basic name, the Jets and shit like that. Like you know, yeah, it's well. just something that we're we're accustomed to and we've grown to like grown up with. So now it's kind of like second nature, but. I can't, like, off the top of my head, I can't think of a really, like, when you really think about it, I can't think of a sports name that's like, oh, my God, like, this is really a cool-ass name. Like, a lot of the names, you know, all they consider are really, like, corny. It's definitely fair. I mean, yeah, like, when you have a whole team dedicated since, like, the 70s or 50s even, uh, probably even before that, I don't know when they were introduced, based on cheese packers, I don't think it's really that big of a deal. Like, bro. All things considered. That's why I've kind of, you know, I, I've taken a step back on it. It's, it is what bro, it is. Bro, you got the Giants, like, come on, bro. Like, the Giants. Yeah, steel mill workers yeah, like, with the Steelers. You got a lot of stuff that's just like, you know, it, it's a man. name. We'll get used to it eventually. I'm already to the point where, like, Washington football team, which I liked, uh, you know, as, like, a placeholder name. I thought it was fine. It's already a thing of the past. People are are all kind of on either commanders or just using the old name. I'm yeah. trying to use the old name as little as possible, but, uh. You know, I'll always slip up here and there. I'll I'll try to watch myself for it. But it's, you know, it's something that'll live on in our hearts. But moving forward with the Commanders shouldn't be that big of a deal. I do Great. think the merch is kind of lacking, though. I've seen a lot oh, of Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's um, uh, for, uh, for good reason. Yeah, and I feel like for something that, you know, took them so long, it's, it's little to no merch. And then I know the whole debacle with the the numbers and the years and stuff that didn't bother me as much as others, because honestly, I prefer to refer to Super Bowl years by the year that they were played in. But I definitely, you know, understand because none of the other stuff, 
you know, rep those years and stuff. I definitely get what the team was trying to do, though. But as far as the merch, for something that took so long, the fact that we don't have two of the jerseys selling yet yeah. and the fact that we barely have any, like, hoodies or anything selling, like, the great hoodies sold out, they haven't come back yet. Uh, I just checked earlier today. We finally have another black hoodie. It's from Starter that I personally like. But it's only a couple things that's really available. And, you know, they all – it's all kind of lackluster. I'm hoping – and I'm guessing that maybe, you know, closer to the season, we'll start to see more. But it has it, definitely sucked a bit, especially for something that's been hyped up. But I, and I want to rep the team. So I'm I, like, I check damn near every day because I, I want merch. Like, but it's definitely lackluster. But yeah, like I'm I said, hopefully it's closer to the season. They'll they'll make drop some more things. Definitely should be. I mean, we still have a good, you know, like six months before the season is even like thought of beginning so i mean i definitely agree with you that like some of the merch has been lacking initially i didn't like all of the jerseys i thought the white one was pretty good and i thought the uh the burgundy one was really nice the black one still feels iffy to me i don't know it part of me just kind of feels like it it looks like an off-brand steelers uniform <laughs> part of, i like the fact that we finally have black uniforms don't get me wrong uh yeah i don't know if it's the implementation or like the font something about it it's just it's not right to me i'm sure i'll get used to it as you yeah know, as no, with everything else but it's it's a minor qualm i'm still probably yeah. gonna get a black jersey just because black jerseys look cool i gotta generally. get everyone <laughs> yeah. the white one is the only one i'm thinking i might not get just because i have enough white jerseys between the yeah ones. i i like the it's the burgundy one for me because i have so many freaking burgundy jerseys yep. but I, I i love i like i like all of them i think that the white the white has definitely grown on me but i still think the numbers would look better without the gradient look to it Agreed. and um as far as the burgundy I'm still not completely sold on the the yellow numbers, but for the most part, I I I, I like them, and I think the black part is my favorite right now, just because it, it looks sleek. I definitely agree with you though with the font and stuff. That's something that's kind of bugged me. I don't think that they should have like done so many different fonts, and just in general, the fonts kind of look a little bit generic rather than like traditional and more kind of creative in a sense. But I feel like when we see them on the field and on the bodies more. It won't look as bad. Uh, that's probably a sign that the uh, the name change took too long. Is because they just had so much time on their hands. They were just playing around with different fonts on the jerseys. <laughs> and I, I feel like, too, the name change took so long because you had so many people interfering yeah. with whether, you know, like so many people were taking out trademarks. You know, we had the Martin guy who kept, God, you know, taking them and saying he was helping the team. And then, you know, just a lot of other legal stuff. And even with the Warriors, cause I really think that that's what the team wanted. But, you know, with the conversation still going on about it being, you know, kind of controversial and then, you know, having the big Warriors and even with the Red Wolves, the Timberwolves and, you know, things like that, I think it was just a lot of that that went on and it, it just took a little bit too long like you said but we're at, we're at the point where we finally got the name and the uniforms and yep. hopefully we get some more merch soon now we don't have to talk about it anymore thank god because <laughs> i swear like over that year that we were doing the podcast on the washington football team it came up at least once every other episode so i'm glad it's settled we can move past it embrace Agreed. the new name and move on so with that let's move on to some of the on the field stuff because you know the season ended it was not the greatest of endings. Finished seven and nine, ended up with the eleventh pick in the draft. Didn't look to be that good. A lot of the problems stemmed from Taylor Heineke at quarterback. So the team was looking to address the quarterback season in the off season, uh, the quarterback position in the off season. They took a swing on Russell Wilson. Struck out. It appeared he did not want to come here. 
which sucks. Which is fucking stupid. <laughs> it sucks because Russell Wilson would have been awesome here, and uh, instead he's on the Broncos now because this is a wild, wild off season. And we crazy ass division. Like, yeah, bro, the cra- like not to cut you off, <laughs> no, but go ahead, go ahead, because I oh, agree with like, you. Like, dude, like that fucking division, and I mean the conference itself is insane, and that's where you choose to go. He could have had the NFC East in his hands, the NFC in it, damn near in its entirety, because I mean you have the Bucks and the Rams, but outside of that, the other teams are kind of you know. But it's like, oh, like I mean, I get it, because you know Denver. Got Has some nice weapons, but why would you want to go to that division? He, like, it's going to be so hard he to make the playoffs. He chose to play man. the Chargers and Justin Herbert and the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes twice each a year rather than just come win an easy division back at home. But, you know, that's your prerogative. You do what you want. Uh, you if <laughs> you don't want to make the playoffs anymore the rest, of your, the rest of your career. You enjoy that. We ended up with Carson Wentz, a former Philadelphia quarterback turned Colts quarterback whom we traded for. The compensation was not really like anything insane when it comes to quarterbacks, especially. We swapped second-round picks, then we sent a con- uh, a third-round pick this year and a conditional second-round pick that could default as a third-round pick next year, depending on the amount of snaps that Wentz plays, which was the same that uh, I believe Indy traded to. It was a similar thing Indy traded for uh, yeah. um, when they traded him for him from Philly. I think it was like a second-round pick that turned into a first for them. So yeah. for us, it's essentially two seconds, a third for a second, and Carson Wentz. So looking at it that way, he not he's not necessarily looked at to be a franchise quarterback, but he is a capable starting caliber quarterback in the NFL in the middle tier almost assuredly. Rather than this Ryan Fitzpatrick, Taylor Heineke, bottom of the barrel, build the team elsewhere and be cheap at quarterback, it's a real quarterback at the very least. Yeah. What were your yeah. impressions about the Carson Wentz trade? So first off, when when I first seen it, I didn't I didn't hate it. Like I actually I liked it a lot. Like I I've been a big fan of Carson since he uh came out the draft. Definitely, you know, hasn't been, you know, the journey that he's like, but he's definitely a talented quarterback, especially if he stays healthy. My only I only have a few issues and for one, I don't I feel like the picks that we traded, it's not something that's going to hurt us too much. I feel like, Agreed. you know, we lost a third this year. Next year is probably going to be a second or whatever. Well, no, third again. And th- those are picks that can't hurt you. And if the if the experiment doesn't work, you you're, you know, you're going to be in a good position with a very talented quarterback class. My biggest issue, though, was the team kind of jumped a little bit too early and overpaid just a bit. So altogether, I don't think that the two-thirds price point is bad, but you know, for the situation that Carson was in, and the the um, the Colts wanted to trade him so bad, and like not having that many offers, I think the team jumped a little bit. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Like I don't mind giving up those picks because they don't really hurt us as much as another trade could have. But at the same time, it's like we really didn't have to do that. Right. But I think that a lot of people um aren't giving Carson a fair shake. I feel like I definitely understand it. Our quarterback, you know situation hasn't been ideal but this is one of the better quarterbacks we've had in a very long time and this cop has come at a cost that is relatively low all things considered this is a man who threw you know stats aren't everything but this is a man that threw 27 touchdowns and had seven interceptions so yes it wasn't all peaches and cream but we haven't had a quarterback do that in a while like he threw more touchdowns than Taylor Heineke and half of the interceptions. Like, 
you can't ask for more. Ten more touchdowns and seven less interceptions. Like you can, and and this is coming. And a lot of fans was on here talking about Taylor Heineke was the franchise guy, but then you're turning your nose up at Carson Wentz. I, you know, I feel like I said. I'm willing to give him a fair shake because he's very talented. He just has to stay healthy and kind of put all the pieces together. And, I, you know, I hope that, you know, things work out. Like I said, if they don't, we're, in, we're headed for a very talented 2023 quarterback class. So it's really not the end of the world. And like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, – I'm excited for what's to come, you know, trying to keep my, you know, expectations a little bit tempered because we know how things in Washington go. We know that luck hasn't really been on which side. But this is something that can work out for both sides. So I agree with you now. My first impression was the complete opposite. I'm gonna be honest with you. <laughs> I think I, I even that. I think I even tweeted like hashtag fire Rod Rivera, hashtag fire Martin Mayhew. <laughs> I just I wanted everybody gone. So yeah, the numbers say Carson Wentz had an okay year uh on the Colts last year. The impression of this season was very, very different for a lot of different reasons. So for starters, they're coming off of a Phillip Rivers, even in an aging season. He had a really good year. I think he threw for over 4,000 yards, had like 30 touchdowns or something. Phillip Rivers played really well when he was in uh, when he was on the Colts that one year. They then trade a first-round pick and a second-round pick, essentially, for Carson Wentz with the expectations that, you know, we were a playoff team with Phillip Rivers. Let me be a Super Bowl team with Carson Wentz. This is also mm-hmm. with Frank Reich, who got that 2017 season out of Carson Wentz when he had he was 11 and three as a starter, I believe, before he got hurt, or 11 and two, 11 and three, one of those, and he was on track for an MVP season before he got injured, and the Eagles went on to win the Super Bowl. The impression that the Colts had of him was that he was the savior and he was going to be the best quarterback since Luck, and they were going to win the Super Bowl with him. Very different impressions coming here. And with that, I think the pressure is off of Wentz to the point where he can perform even better than, you know, the standard he was last year. Yeah. The Colts also had a running back who might have won MVP uh, last year in Jonathan if Taylor. If quarterbacks did not exist. If quarterbacks, <laughs> yeah, you know, if quarterbacks weren't valued to the point that, you know, they are now. Jonathan Taylor was was firmly in the MVP race last year. So they didn't need Wentz to make a lot of the hero throws or a lot yeah. of, like, a lot of plays that, you know, Carson Wentz goes out of his ways to make, which is a major flaw in his game, is that he doesn't know when to let a play die. It's gotten yeah. injured in the past. It's got it's created mistakes. We saw this last year in the, I think it was against the Titans, when he, he was about to take a safety, so he panicked. He threw the ball up, led to a pick six from about three yards out. So you don't want to see any of that. Uh, you're probably going to see some, some crazy stuff. Hopefully it's nothing that dramatic when he's in a Washington uh, commander's uniform. But the hope for Carson Wentz is that he can be a top 15 quarterback, which he is definitely capable of and has pretty much been throughout the majority of his career. Yeah. It's very different than last season where fans were talking about, hey, we're going to win 10 to 12 games with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. (laughs) Carson Wentz is better than Ryan Fitzpatrick, even, you know, before his hip injury, which appears to have ended his career, which kind of sucks for Fitzpatrick, but, you know, is what it is. Yeah. He's a 39-year-old. He's made plenty of money. He'll be okay. Yeah, he got $10 million off us alone. Like, he was exactly. riding off into the sunset. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but Wentz, again, a lot of the pressure's off. He's He doesn't yeah. have the same expectations he has in, Indiana, uh, in Indianapolis. I also think the weapons here, I don't want to say are overtly superior to that in of uh, last year's Colts, but... I would say it's definitely an improvement, you know, going from Michael Pittman, who's definitely a good wide receiver, to Terry McLaurin, 
who's borderline top 10, if not definitely top 10. Oh, 100%. That's an upgrade. Uh, running back, you know, Gibson is not as good as Jonathan Taylor. He's good. Definitely not but as he's, good as Jonathan Yeah, definitely Taylor. a capable running back, though. And J.D. McKissick, who's probably a better receiving back than anybody, uh, than uh, Marlon Mack and uh, who was the other guy they had? Uh, I think, what is it, Naheem? Naheem Hines. Is it, Naheem yeah. Hines is good. He's good. He's not J.D. McKissick. He's, uh, J.D. McKissick caught like 70 catches the year Alex Smith was quarterback. He's definitely capable. Uh, but, you know, he has some decision-making issues as per this offseason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll get into that later. Uh, but, yeah, so J.D. McKissick, definitely good. Uh, Cam Sims is probably, you know, he's okay. But Curtis Samuel, if healthy, fingers crossed, knock on wood, anything I need to do to make that happen. He's better than any wide receiver, too, that the Colts had. So sure. assuming health, he has, I would say, superior receiving weapons. Mm-hmm. Which is another thing that if he, because if Carson Wentz can throw for four thousand yards, this is a good football team. Yeah, I mean, even thirty five hundred, like he just right. has to make the right throws at the right moment, and you know, kind of just keep the ball in our hands. He has to manage the game, like pseudo Alex Smith kind of thing. But you know, another thing that Carson Wentz does really well is throw the deep ball. So with Deami Brown entering his second year, Terry McLaurin obviously a smooth route runner, very very fast, catching deep balls from Carson Wentz. Making big plays and scoring points shouldn't be that big of an issue, but we will. Yeah, especially out. you know this is something we're gonna talk about later, but especially if we get you know one of those draft options that you know have come up a lot, but that's that's for later. <laughs> but yeah, uh, definitely agree with you though. I definitely think that outside of running back, uh, like running back one, definitely a lot of upgrades, and definitely think that Carson can make something happen here. Like you said though, definitely a lot of. Um, high expectations over in Indianapolis and they kind of blame him for everything. But what a lot of people don't want to talk about is the cost defense also collapsed in that last game. And the cost defense was very shaky in a lot of games, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. They, I mean, it's Tom Brady and the Bucks, but that whole game, they got slutted on. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's, that's something, again, our defense has definitely had that issue as well. Hopefully with some development from the young guys, we get a little bit of stabilization. You know, fingers crossed, knock on wood again, whatever I have to do, inshallah. <laughs> yeah. Everything. Uh, but if we can get some stable quarterback play, that also helps the defense. Because when you have Taylor Heineke, who, you know, made plays but was very erratic through, t- what was it, 12 interceptions, 14 interceptions? Was 15? Yeah, 14. 14, 14. 14. It was 14 or 15. A lot of interceptions, a lot of turnovers with Taylor Heineke. The defense doesn't really get an opportunity to, you know, rest. They don't get an opportunity. 15. To- 15. Wow. That's uh, twenty to and fifteen. That is twenty disgusting. and fifteen is well. That's that's crazy. Twenty and fifteen. How many passing yards did he have? It was like thirty three hundred. Uh, let me check again. And it's so crazy because there are still people online today that will sit here and tell you that this man is still good and why. Like no, but he had three thousand four hundred nineteen. Okay, so they're about thirty four hundred. Yeah, I I saw a tweet that said uh basically I don't know what happened, but everybody seems to be like flavor of the month to just poop on Carson Wentz whenever possible because I saw an article from NBC Sports Washington. I don't know if it was Sports Washington or NBC Sports Edge that said an anonymous NFL executive said that they would rather have Taylor Heineke starting at $2 million than uh, Carson Wentz starting at $28 million. That shit is the dumbest argument. First of all, so many people are still stuck on this Tampa Bay game from Heineke. It's so ridiculous. That game was a over a year ago. It was also and we a lost loss. the game. Yeah. Like, we lost the game. 
But I, I just don't understand it. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't think that Carson Wentz is the quarterback that he once was or, or if he'll ever go back to that. But he's still a very solid quarterback. The same people that be on here hyping up Jimmy Garoppolo mid-ass are the same people that will get on here and tell you that Carson Wentz is trash. Like, I would take Carson Wentz over Jimmy, um, Heineke, even – this is kind of controversial, but I'll even take him over Matt Ryan. I do not feel like the Colts upgraded with Matt Ryan. I think that there are some things that Matt Ryan does do a lot better, but altogether, I feel like they're kind of on the same tier. And I feel like the Colts, the Colts keep adding quarterbacks thinking that that's the problem, but their problems go beyond quarterback. But back to back to the thing, for one, the media – they hate that they didn't get the scoop on the Carson Wentz trade. That's one of the main reasons why they hate it. But they just they just hate Carson in general. Like JP Finley, I've never I haven't seen a good tweet from him yet about the Carson Wentz trade. None yeah. of those guys over there, I haven't seen a good I haven't seen anything good about it yet. And it's like, bro, like you can't change it. Like I understand if you don't like him, but I just feel like at this point we can't change it. So it's like all these people keep being negative and kind of rooting for him to fail. It's just weird. I'm also kind of wondering, you know, if it was if it was take Take Washington out of it. Take the Commanders out of it. If it's the Steelers make this exact same trade, everybody's talking about how genius it is, honestly. Literally. <laughs> like, there's people who's saying the Steelers were genius for uh, signing Mitch, Mitch Trubisky. Like, make it make sense. Like, it, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's just all over the place. I, like I said, Carson Wentz isn't perfect at all, but I'm definitely willing to give him a chance because, like I said, it's a little bit bad to say that he's been the best just because, like, we know our history with quarterbacks have been trash. But at the same time, I'm not going to harp on a guy that can put up 27 to 30 touchdowns a year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and like I said, the, the game of football, it comes down to all different aspects, coaching, offense, defense, and position. So I'm not – I don't expect Carson to be the main reason why we make the playoffs. I definitely, you know, think that he'll contribute to it. But at the end of the day, it – we need the entire team to, you know, work together and do well. So I just don't understand why so many people ex- are expecting him or, you know, harping on him for not being this magical lifesaver when that's not the case for a lot of quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. We just talked about Russell Wilson. As talented as Russell Wilson is, there's a good chance that he doesn't do it. Like, he's not able to carry Denver to the playoffs just because the teams in his division or the teams in the conference, you know, just have a better overall team. You know, we've seen it with some of these other teams where they're good, but, or they have good quarterbacks like the Bengals in the freaking Super Bowl. They had a very talented quarterback, but at the end of the day, the Rams just looked a little bit better to finish the game. So that's, that's kind of what's more important than anything. And a lot of people are overlooking that quarterbacks can make or break a team, but at the end of the day, sometimes it doesn't matter how good your quarterback is. If, the rest of your team doesn't, you know, help them out or it's just certain moments where they just don't live up to it. Agreed. Shout out my aunt for gifting a tier one sub. Appreciate it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do agree with you. I don't I don't necessarily think he would be a driving force in us making the playoffs either. I also I don't I don't know if this is me just being the bullish homer that I am on the inside. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure we're going to make the playoffs next year. Uh, yeah, I, I think so, too, just because like the NFC. NFC is, East is always it's hurting. Yeah, it's it's not a great division to begin with. There's it it appears that there's never the same winner two years in a row. I don't think there's been a repeat winner since like 2004, 2005. We upgraded at the position that matters most, and the rest of our team is pretty dang good. I remember talking last year, like uh, I don't I don't remember this time last year, but maybe in like training camp last year. I was here talking about this is a really good deep roster, and yeah, you know, if the quarterback position was addressed. We would have a really good team. Well, 
here's a really similar roster. The quarterback <laughs> position has been addressed. So minus some minor, you know, I don't want to say minor, but, you know, minus some changes here and there. It's a pretty similar roster with, I think, the same amount of top-end talent. And mm-hmm. I think it can definitely win, you know, 10 games plus, I would say. Yeah. If I had to, without looking at the schedule or looking at who we play right now, if I had to just put a number on the amount of games we win, assuming we go in the direction I assume we go in the draft, it's probably a between 9 and 11 game uh, win season. Yeah. Um Oscar is actually is it's it's a little bit of a tough one, but um I definitely agree with you. I definitely think year. like yeah, I definitely agree with you though. Like if the team is healthy enough and everything with all that, we definitely can win. You know, nine to eleven. I still don't think that that's amazing though, because I feel like nine wins, especially with that extra game. Like when you go nine and eight, like that's that's just kind of trash. But I definitely feel like with the record, yeah, <laughs> with the yeah, <laughs> with the moves that the team has made and everything, I just feel like there's no excuse to not win ten or so games. Like I feel like we're reaching that point with this coaching staff and you know with everything where it's like. The, you know, seven, seven, this seven and 10 season, it's not going to cut it. Like, even for me, nine and eight, it's not really going to cut it. Like, I feel like we have to win 10 to 12 games for me to really, you know, say like, okay, this coaching staff needs to be here for a long time. And it goes beyond Carson, because I think Carson can still have a very good year and we still don't win enough games as we should, just because, like I said, it's a lot of things that goes into that. So I'm not... If that happens, I'm not solely blaming him. It obviously depends on how it goes. But I just feel like with everything that's going on with the team having the control, like Ron has all his guys here. You made this trade for Carson. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't – you're not going to get by with, you know, they did a decent amount. Like, it's not going to fly anymore. So, this team has to go out and, you know, make something shake. And like you said, I definitely agree with you, though. Like, we have the potential to win it. And I hope that it happens because the team is kind of running out of excuses and mm-hmm. – yeah, I agree with you. And so let's let's take on some of these minor uh, adjustments that the team has made on the roster because I think some of them are definitely positives. Others of them have been kind of negatively viewed, but I don't really understand why it's, you know, like it, it appears some chicken little, the sky is falling kind of stuff. And I don't think it's not necessarily <laughs> the case. Yeah. So uh, the first move was the team cutting Landon Collins, which was pretty straightforward and kind of v- viewed as expected by everybody because – as talented as a player Landon Collins is and has been, especially toward the end of last season when they kind of shifted him to a linebacker role, he was insanely overpaid. <laughs> I think he was still like top three in safety money after like four years on the contract. Yeah, he was getting like 16 to 18 million a year. It was a lot of money. And uh, so naturally, the team decided it was time to move on. A pretty similar situation with Brandon Sheriff. Uh, I think after two franchise tags, it, it just didn't appear he wanted to be here, nor did the team expect him to be in future plans. So they yeah. let him go, and as well as release the other starting guard in Eric Flowers, who was also due to make $10 million. He's a quality player, but I mean that's a lot of money to dedicate to an interior O-lineman. Then the team turned around and signed Andrew Norwell, former Panther, of course, uh, who had an all-pro season in the Panthers. He was also a very quality uh, guard on the Jaguars. Picked him up for half of the price of an Eric Flowers. $4.75 million, I think, was the number I saw uh, per year on a two-year deal. And he can get you pretty similar production, and I think he's also viewed as better in the pass game, as well as very, very good in the screen game. So although you're losing some of your running edge, you're getting a lot back in the pass game, which is important with a new quarterback like Carson Wentz. Yeah. Uh, 
The other major loss was Matt Ioannidis and Tim Settle, which kind of, which just destroys your D tackle rotation as of now. Uh, I'm expecting more to be done there, whether that be before camp or in the draft. But you're gonna get more D tackles than what we currently have. Yeah. Both of them were quality football players. Tim Settle, especially, he's only I think 24 after playing four years in the league. Uh, he went up to Buffalo. He's he has a great chance to win a Super Bowl up there. I'm glad he's gonna get a chance to start on a um, on a Super Bowl contender. I saw him kind of grow up. We went to the, went to school uh, high school in the same district, so my team. My high school team played against him a couple of times before he graduated. Uh, so I'm rooting for his success. I hope he does well. Yeah. Matt Ioannidis got cut because he was on starter money. I think he was at $8 million a year. Uh, his agent then basically called the organization a bunch of snakes and that they said they were lied to to their face. Uh, so I don't know what happened there. <laughs> yeah. Um, with all the moves, I don't feel like we really lost too much, like you said. But... I just think with most of the moves, it kind of just showed that there is still a slight disconnect in that front office that shouldn't really be there, despite everything we've been told and promised. As far as the landing situation, like he almost stayed and then they asked for a second pay cut. You just can't do things like that. Like they should have handled that trade before they even approached him. And I mean, I know that they kind of had to go to him first to like even see that if, if that was an option. But for me, it's like a lot of people blame Landon, like, oh, la, la, la. Like, I definitely think he was overpaid, but I don't blame him for being upset. Like, we agreed to something then because you turned around and made a deal that you couldn't necessarily afford. Now you want to come back to me and, you know, pay me less. And I don't even, like, a lot of people say, like, uh, Landon has a big ego. I don't even think in that case it was an ego thing. It's more kind of like if we had an agreement, like, you don't come back because in a sense, that's kind of disrespectful. So that's kind of where I'm at with the landing thing. I don't mind him being cut, but that's something that could have been handled a little bit better. As far as the same thing with kind of met, um, like they took Carson's whole, you know, um, thing, whole cap hit, and then they kind of couldn't, they realized that they needed more. And it's kind of like, they just, it's just, they could have handled things better. And I just feel like, I know that they kind of were rushing to, you know, get wins and they didn't want him to like, go in free agency and potentially not join us. Right. But it's just like the way that the team handled the cuss and everything, it just could have been handled a little bit better. Same thing with Eric Flowers. Like they couldn't really reach a number. And I, I don't think that uh, Norrell is really a drop off. I do think that like with Flowers being better and everything, I mean, younger, he's a little bit better, but I definitely think they're on the same tier. But just like I said, like just everything considered, the team could have handled the things a little bit differently, but um, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if um, those guys either, you know, come back or, you know, join a team where they, you know, kind of the same pay rate as some of these other guys that we've added. And then a guy like Tim Settle, I agree with you, though. I didn't go to the school in his district, <laughs> but Tim's a great guy and I'm rooting for him. And it kind of sucked to see him go for so little. But I do know that we still have to pay guys like Terry, you got yep. Sweat and, you know, Sweat and Deron's check coming up. And I think Matt getting cut is a great sign that this team does in fact want to keep Duran. I don't know if he wants to stay after everything that's been done and with him, you know, kind of erasing us off his social media and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think that there is kind of some, <laughs> that's some a theme of this off season as well. Yeah. I mean, we saw Kyler Murray do it. Debo Samuel just did it recently. Bro, and, and, and it's honestly becoming so cringe. Like it is. I, I like, I would say I, I don't mind players being vocal about frustrations, but I just think there are certain ways you go about it. Like, at least with Iran, he did it and kind of just let it be like, like that. But 
what kind of bugged me about Debo, and I, I love Debo. Debo is a great player, but what kind of bugged me with him was I feel like the way he kind of went about it was a little bit more loud and kind of like like petty and like it, it just didn't sit right with me. And I don't and I and I don't mean to be kind of hypocrite. I'm saying like in one sense, I feel like Deron handled it differently. But I just feel like some players kind of go about it more so for attention than anything. And I, it's just like like even today, it came out that Debo's friend posted, if it ain't 20, 25 million, we don't want it or something like that. And he liked the post. Stuff like that is not good business. And I don't understand why these players keep doing this childish and petty shit like that. And I'm a player's person. Like, I'm never going to sit up here and tell you, like, I'm team owners or anything like that. Right. But I just feel like it's becoming, a like you said, it's becoming a common theme around the league. And a lot of these guys... The way they're handling things, it's just really corny and lame. Yeah, nobody's saying, like, you have to be the most loyal player on earth. Get your money. Get what you're worth. However, you don't got to be cringe about it. <laughs> like, Yeah, like... <laughs> I, I don't... Like, Deron Payne, obviously, like, he took off all this team-related stuff. I mean, J- Jonathan Allen, who punched him in the face. <laughs> so, like, there's an actual locker room strife. So, you know, I wouldn't mind you dissociating a little yeah. bit from it. If it's purely off of... You know, I'm I'm not being paid what I'm worth, and I want more money. You don't have to be all dramatic about it. You, like you can you can erase it from your bio, leave the pictures up. You don't gotta like erase your digital history as a means to get back at a front office who is refusing <laughs> to pay you. That just it's it's a little bit of childishness, a little bit of just a generational shift. I will say because I think that's just kind of people how people from our generation handle things. Yeah, hundred percent. Even. Even with, like, the pay demands, because don't get me wrong, I think Debo is a very, very talented wide receiver. But if you want $25 million, I'm sorry, I'm not paying Debo $25 million. I even have a number for Terry that most people, you know, probably would say they want to go higher on. But for me, I feel like, obviously, I'm not the team. It's not my money, so right. run Dan Snyder out the mud. But I just feel like some of these contracts in the NFL are getting ridiculous. And like I said, at the end of the day, run the owner's pockets dry. But, like, in terms of, like, cap space and stuff, these uh, deals are getting insane. Like you Christian literally have Kirk guys is making twenty one million dollars. Like a year. That, first of all, that fucked up the market. Yeah, but then you have guys that are coming off their rookie deals and demanding like top three money. Like it's it's insane. Like you don't even have room to wiggle anymore because it's like I'm 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 not a rookie anymore. You got to pay me immediately. Like bro, like Jesus Christ, and nope. it it's just kind of crazy. Like and I if said, you don't, I don't trade me, so somebody else will see Tyreek. Like Hill. bro, like. Yeah, even and that's what I'm saying. Even Tyreek's deal. Tyreek is a very talented wide receiver. But I tell you one thing: I'm so glad that we didn't make that trade and we aren't paying that 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 amount of money. Like it's just beyond me. Like even with some of these quarterback deals, Aaron Rodgers' deal is insane. I I don't care how talented Aaron Rodgers is. You haven't won a Super Bowl in years. I'm not paying you that much money, especially after you lost your number one weapon and their wide receiver core is dog shit. Like it's Aaron Rodgers at the end of the day, but you lost a very very talented weapon, mm-hmm. and he's still getting paid that much. And they're not they're not going nowhere. The Packers aren't going nowhere. You didn't go nowhere with Devontae Adams. You're damn sure not going nowhere without him. But you're paying, uh, what is it, like 40, 50 million? Hell no. 50, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's The money is getting ridiculous. Like, you're eating up more than more of a percentage of the salary cap even than uh, than the NBA's Supermax. Like, it's crazy. That's that's insanity. You're eating like, up, like, more than a third of the cap space on one player. That's 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 bananas. Even, no even, matter how good they are. That's just insane. Right. And, like, bro, even freaking mid-tier players are getting paid the big bucks now. Like, you dead-ass have no wiggle room anymore. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's actually insane. You you mentioned a number on Terry McLaurin. I wanted, I'm curious as to know what the number is annually. 
Um, because I really, have a number like, as well, but I, I'm guessing it's higher. Than I this. I don't want to go over twenty million. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I I mean, like if it's twenty one, twenty two, I'm. It's not my money, so I don't really <laughs> right. care. But I just feel like like all things considered, because don't get me wrong, I think Terry is a very very talented quarterback. Like I'm Ohio State fan. Like you can't. I'm not ever going to bash Terry, but I also feel like. All things considered with the state of the team and just, you know, everything that kind of goes into that. I'm so hesitant to say how I really feel because I don't want people to, like, think that I'm bashing him or don't think that he's a very valuable player for us. But I I definitely, like, some fans have said that this team kind of puts Terry on a different pedestal. And I I think that he's worthy in a sense, but I do agree to some point with that. Like, I feel like, I think Terry's very talented. I think he's, you know, arguably top. I I think... I, I agree with this to an extent, yeah. but I, I think what you're trying to say is Terry is a top 10 receiver. We treat him like he's top three. Yeah, pretty much. I, like, I agree with that. Like, he, he's not an Adams, and, I, and and it's not a slight on him because Terry's very talented. I want Terry to be here for years. But, I, like, some people's like, give him the bag, give him the bank, like, write him a blank check. No, I don't want Terry to leave. But, like I just said with Debo Samuel, I'm not paying Terry McLaurin $25 million. I, I'm, I'm that sorry. That would be my maximum, but not in, like in guarantee, not in guarantees. Like I would go maybe like five years, 125 with like 75, yeah. 70 guaranteed. And I, think and I mean, like I said, like if a deal got done and he's getting paid 25, like obviously I'm not paying it. So it's not like I hate the deal, right. but ideally for the team and the state that we're in, I would rather them reach a a more team friendly deal. I know that's not like we just talked about it. It's not really the case these days, but if we could get Terry in that 20 million range, that is really where I want him. I saw PFF like I, say uh, five years, one Oh five, which is 20. Yeah, and, and that's good. And that that's would be, good. yeah. And that would, that, that's the exact deal that I want from him. But like I said, like all these people like write a blank check, do whatever. Like, no, we don't want Terry to go, but there also has to be a kind of breaking point for this team. Because I just feel like, I just feel like because Terry's one of the, you know, few players that we have that is, you know, really good. I just feel like sometimes just te- and we don't have many good things. The fan base can kind of get a little bit too excited and, you know, kind of make things out to be more than what it is. But there definitely has to be some discipline and, you know, some. It, has to, it just kind of has to be a point where the team, you know, kind of knows where to stop in a sense. And right. I, I think that's kind of the issue. You got to be the grown like, up in the room. Christian Kirk hurt. <laughs> heard all the wide receiver money. I could not but, believe my eyes when I saw yeah, that. Yeah, like honestly. the Jaguars are fucking stupid. I don't care what nobody... And I'm, I'm sorry to keep cursing, but the Jaguars are stupid. Like, I don't understand. I don't care how desperately you needed players. Every single player that they've gotten, they've overpaid. Brandon Sheriff's deal is not good. Christian Kirk deal is definitely not good. You are not winning by playing, paying these guys this much because after a year or two... All those deals are going to look terrible, and you're still going to be in a place of poverty, and you can't get out of most of these deals because nobody's going to want to take on a deal that pays Christian Kirk $25 million. Like, no. Yeah. I, I think with Terry, sticking on this, I it, it embarrasses me to even have to say this. They are not trading Terry McLaurin. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I think Ben Standig brought that up as a hypothetical because he saw it kind of— And people ran with slow. it. <laughs> people ran with it. The media does what they do. They blow things out of proportion, and they they just kind of claim that it's now— you know, it's a definite—it's happening. What is actually happening with Terry McLaurin is they're waiting to see how the wide receiver market actually shakes out. So that means yeah. a Debo Samuel extension. That means an A.J. Brown extension. After that is probably when we see it. I wouldn't be surprised if we see it as late as the end of training camp, much like Jonathan Allen. 
wouldn't be surprised we seen it after that because I feel like all these guys are waiting on each other to get the deal, and it's <laughs> none of it. Like none of it's happening. Off. Everybody's pointing guns at each other. <laughs> it's the Spider-Man meme. Everybody's just standing and pointing, waiting for everybody <laughs> to just whoever flinches first is gonna uh, is gonna get the pay the least. But I, I do think Terry will end up between twenty and twenty five million dollars a year. Definitely, yeah. I would do that just because you know he's one of the blue chip players. He's one of the star players of the team, uh, leader in the locker room. You want to keep those guys around. So, looking forward to who is going to complement him as the other wide receiver, other than Curtis Samuel, who is most likely going to be playing the slot, if I had to guess. Um, at 11, in the upcoming NFL draft, there are a couple of options from Terry McLaurin's alma mater, who both make sense to me as compliments to Terry McLaurin. Yeah. You are a Buckeye fan, Drew, so I will let you, I will let you lead the way on this one. What do you know about Garrett Wilson? Um, Garrett, Garrett is just, he's just a talented guy all around. Like dude, dude, dude can make plays happen out of nowhere. Like I know there's some concerns with him, but I, I don't really see it. And I, I mean, I'm not a pro, but I just think that for my only complaint with Garrett, I think he's a little bit smaller than you like, but that's, that's the only complaint I really have. Like I, I watched Garrett the entire college football season and he just made play after play like dude is insanely talented and can do it all. Right. But like I said, that's probably my only complaint about him is he's a little bit smaller. And I think that that with some of these NFL backs and stuff, that can kind of be an issue. But I, I have no complaints about his catching, his root running. I definitely think that Olave is a better root runner, but Garrett is just an outstanding talent. And he gets to this team or even another team, like they're, they're getting a very good weapon. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think he might be the most elusive wide receiver in the draft as well. The way he makes guys miss is really, really exciting to watch. Makes him an excellent threat in the screen game, which we know Scott Turner likes to get involved. Uh, He also, he does run great routes. He has great hands. He also has insane body control. Like, the way he can just contort and make a spectacular catch is insane to me. I think he's beginning to move up in wide receiver standings across the board and become... Pretty much the consensus uh, wide receiver one in the in the NFL draft, which is great great praise for the guy. I don't know what more you could say other than he's the best wide receiver in the class. So if he somehow slides to eleven, I would not hesitate to take him there. Yeah. The other guy who you also mentioned is Chris Olave. By the way, Garrett Wilson. People say he's like he's undersized and he's smaller or whatever. He's like half an inch shorter than Terry McLaurin. Like it's really not. Yeah, that no. Bad. For me, it's like he's light. But I don't he's know. Not it's short. like his build. Like yeah, he just looks so tiny when he plays, kind of. But it's crazy. Yeah, but it's crazy because like you know, thinking about Terry, like I don't know. It just seems like he's he's kind of like every time I see him, he just looks so skinny. Like yeah. I hate to say it, but like Mal Norris in a sense. Like I know he's not, but that's how he always looks a little bit. <laughs> you gotta get back to Mama's cooking. Eat, eat a little harder. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, Olave definitely. All the wide, Ohio State wide receivers kind of look like that, where they're a little yeah. bit skinnier. I don't know what it is if they're just like if they don't have arms in the training regimen as much. Which I guess it doesn't really matter as much when you're playing wide receiver. But yeah, I think Olave would also be a decent compliment to Terry McLaurin. The one concern I have about Olave is that he's kind of redundant to the kinds of wide receivers that we have, and what yeah. that what I mean by that is he's. I don't want to say he's purely a deep threat because he can do a lot. He can catch over the middle. He can catch, you know, short routes and make people miss, do whatever. But he's primarily going to be used in the NFL, in my opinion, as a deep threat. Deami Brown and Terry McLaurin both offer that in their skill set as well. And as much as I love, you know, just 
uncork the deep ball, throw it. You're not going to do it that many times in a season. So you can't have wide receivers who all just run in a straight line and yeah. catch the ball as deep down the field as they can. But Olave, even then, like he's he's slightly taller than McLaurin. I believe he's like 6'1", 180, uh, something yeah, along those lines. He's, uh, he's not as bit like a big, deep, uh, like 50-50, 50-50, like jump ball receiver. Even though he can do it, he's definitely athletic enough to make some crazy plays. But he's primarily going to be a threat with his speed and route running. Yeah. So I, I do think he would be a good receiver just because, you know, those are good receivers for any team across the NFL. Uh, having guys who can run routes is always an asset. So another weapon in the first round is definitely something I would be looking to add for this team. Mm-hmm. However, there is some crazy defensive talent in this in the top end of this class. Yeah. Uh, the two DBs, or three DBs that I'm thinking of, I would take at 11 like without hesitation, one of these guys will likely be there between uh, Kyle Hamilton, who was a big safety for Notre Dame. He's kind of been sliding down draft boards. He was looked at as like the number one. Some people had him as a number one player in this draft. Then we yeah. kind of got into the, uh, the off season stuff and his 40 time was a little bit slower than you'd think. And you know, all that, all that fun stuff that as we get away from football, people start getting devalued. <laughs> Which can be good or can be bad. You'll either end up with Daniel Jones at six or he'll end up with a stud in the third round like uh, like Antonio Gibson. But uh, Kyle Hamilton can play. He's uh, He can play both safety positions. He's big. He's strong. He can cover. There's a lot to like about Kyle Hamilton's game. Got a lot of range as a safety. Can ball hawk a little bit as well. I think he could be the missing piece to this defense if you are willing to go defense six straight years in the first round, which is kind of na- but like just bananas because this team is not that good defensively. Yeah, um, uh, I no, I agree with you. I think I like he's one of the three options that I won at eleven, uh, and it's literally the two wide receivers we just talked about in him. I think it's got to be one of those three players. Not that there's not other talent. I just think that they have a little bit more concerns, and it's just like if if those three guys, one of those. If any of those three are there, like, you got to go there. And then it, it becomes a choice of, like, if two of those guys are there, like, that's a crazy choice. So, honestly, like, I, I want another weapon. But like you said, Hamilton can be the piece that we're missing. So, right now, I honestly think that, like, he might be my favorite if he's there. But definitely think that – I think we need a weapon more. But I also feel like we we need that missing piece on the defense too. So it, it's it's such a tough decision. Like part of me doesn't like doesn't want him to be there because it's like I don't want us to come down to that choice because I would hate to lose any of those guys. Right. But I also kind of do want him to be there because we're gonna get a talented ball player either way. But and part yeah, of you uh, does think that as much I mean, this might just be completely delusional, but wide receiver especially especially in this class that's a deep position where you can find talent. In later yeah. rounds, especially it's like round me. two, yeah, I understand <laughs> yeah. where you're coming from. Yeah, I was gonna say, and it's also just kind of me being a Ohio State homer, so we <laughs> want to see those guys team up with Terry, especially like Olave. That reunion would be dope, but yep. definitely think, like, all things considered, Cal is probably the best like ball player of the three with the fit and everything, but you know, gotta gotta hype up my guys, but yeah, <laughs> understand. I, I like any of those three. I also think there's a possibility, I don't know how likely it is, mm-hmm. but. This quarterback class is not super strong, but there's definitely some talent to be had. So sure. a team like the Steelers, who is sitting at 20, I believe, if Malik Willis is sitting there at 11 and the Steelers make a call, I'm trading back, no hesitation. Yeah, I there's mean, there's still a chance you get a Lave at 20 as well. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, it probably depends on, like, the compensation. But then again, it's like, we aren't really losing too much. So I, I wouldn't hate it. I'm, I'm open to anything. Pick Definitely if you can read. First, especially yeah, I was nice. going to say, if, yeah, if it's a first, 100%. But even if, you know, like you kind of recoup that third round pick that we're missing, that's definitely, you know, something considered. But 100 percent, if it's the first, I ain't even I'm I'm not even I'm running to the podium. (laughs) The trade has been made. The Steelers are picking da da da. You don't need to worry about me. You do not have to worry about me. Get some ammo to trade up next year for either CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, perhaps. I think that would be a smart move. Um, But yeah, even then, like uh, if you're if you are sitting pat at 11. And, you know, you don't get any of those three somehow, you know, like maybe the Panthers and the Jets both take wide receivers. So Wilson and Olave are both off the board. Hamilton goes earlier. You're left with somebody who's fallen or you're left with. And I hope the player that does fall in that circumstance is Ahmad Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. I say three, but I, I love uh, him, too. Sauce yeah. Gardner, so he's four. so good. The I, next player I know you're going to mention, I'm going to say this early. That's the one that I know you're going to mention him next. He's the one that I, I don't want, but we can talk okay. about, uh, we'll talk about that after. Sauce first, Yeah, I don't think he allowed a single touchdown in his time at Cincinnati. Uh, he wasn't playing. <laughs> he was asked, like, you know, that's not sustainable. How are you planning on dealing with that in the NFL? He just goes, <laughs> I'm not planning on allowing any touchdowns in the NFL either. That's the should. most badass thing I have ever heard. <laughs> yeah. So if you can get a DB with that much confidence and that much swag and you know not to mention the coverage ability he has that's a guy you want on your team yeah he has potential to be not just the best from this class but one of the best corners in the league if all goes for sure yeah my only thing with him and it's not even a slight on him or his game it's just kind of like you like for me it's like do we really want to go cornerback like i like we definitely need additions but that's kind of was kind of taking me back because it's like we just spent all that money on um jackson what's his name yeah william jackson, jackson the third we still have a lot of money in kendall fuller unfortunately so and then with that kendall fuller is either I, I don't know if he's expiring next year or he's i think his guaranteed money is up this year well hopefully because <laughs> yeah. as much as i love i love kendall but he's a solid he's not NFL worth, quarter, yeah but he's, he's not worth the money he's getting paid right now but if that's the case and he really is expiring and you know the team might potentially you know, cut or, you know, whatever, then that's cool. But right now, I was just saying, I just feel like the cornerbacks are not where we want them to be, but it, we definitely, we have a lot kind of invested in them as of right now. I definitely wouldn't hate the picks. I, like I said, my only complaint, like, it's about the team already investing so much in the cornerback position. Right. Not even, like, his his game is an unreal. Like, he's a very t- talented prospect. And like you said, like, he could potentially be the best player in this draft and one of the top corners in the league. So, Definitely wouldn't hate the pick, but that's kind of my only slide. It's like we already kind of have, you know, a lot invested in the cornerbacks, but I didn't know that about Kinder. So that, if Kendall, if that's the case, then I'm definitely a lot more open to it. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I saw a stat that tried to put it in perspective. Like Kendall Fuller's on top 20 corner money. So, you know, he's not – I don't know if he's a top 20 corner, but, you know, he's probably top 30, top 40, and it's not – top 20. It's just – Kendall's too inconsistent. I'm, I don't want to – like. Yeah. I don't. I just, and it's not even bad money. It's just I for for where we're getting no, and I and I didn't really like the value of the deal when we first signed it because I felt like Kendall was good but wasn't right. worth that. Well, at that point but, we're coming off of a three and thirteen season. We're desperate. Yeah, right? like, <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. Anybody. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah. So if if that does money, uh, I think it is. I think the uh, guarantees run out after this season. So a corner long term, it's not a bad pick because you're gonna want him to slot in as your starting corner. 
either this season or next season, like, immediately. But Sauce Gardner, very, very good player. By the way, Ron Rivera went to two pro days this offseason. Uh, they were very close to each other because they're both in Ohio, but it was Ohio State and it was uh, Cincinnati, both of their pro days. And uh, do you know the last time Ron Rivera went to a pro day? I know it was when he was on the Panthers. It was on the if Panthers. I'm not mistaken. It was I 2017. Think it was, yeah. He went to Stanford's pro day for Christian McCaffrey, who they ended up drafting in the first round. Yeah. Before that, he went to one other pro day that I that I can remember. It was 20, Cam Newton, right? It was 2011 Auburn for Cam Newton, who they took first overall. So I, I put a lot of stock into Rivera shows <laughs> up when he likes a prospect. And yeah, for sure. The reports sure. were that he made a beeline for Chris Olave at Ohio State's Pro Day, and then they just kind of stuck around because Cincinnati's Pro Day was the next day. Yeah. So, honestly, I feel like – I think that they like Hamilton, but I don't, th- I don't think that they expect him to be there. So okay. I think right now he's kind of off the table for them. But obviously, like, if he falls, and that's something different. But I definitely think, like, as, as of right now, Chris Olave is their guy or even a guy like Sauce Gardner. But I really think they want to go Chris Olave at that 11 pick. And then I know that – I forget his name, but I know that they were interested in a linebacker at Cincinnati. I think that that's how it could play out. I forgot his name, but I know who you're talking about. Uh, I'll find it later. But, yeah, uh, the last player who I think could be there at 11, who I think Dre is already out on from what it sounds like, is LSU's Derek Stingley Jr. Also a corner, had an insane freshman year. I think he was hurt pretty much all of his sophomore year, and he's still going to be a player and still be a first-round pick. So, I like Stingley. The injury thing does concern me, but it appears that he's still fast. Like, And he still can... Coverage skills don't just vanish. You know, you might be a little rusty, but he definitely will still have the ability to cover people in the NFL. So why are you out on Derek Stingley Jr.? Uh, pretty much what you just said. I think that Stingley is a very talented guy. I just don't. I just think with excuse me, without history and everything, I just don't think at a excuse me at eleven that's the pick that you make because he's still fast. But I feel like injuries are kind of going to be a thing with him. Where you know he plays and when he plays, he's very good. But you kind of have to deal with the fact that he's injured every now and then. So I don't. I, I think, like I said, I think he's a very talented prospect. I just think for what we need and the fact that like. Without you know recent history and stuff like dealing with injuries and everything, when when a, when you kind of get that red flag off rip, you should kind of stay away from it. So now if we were to trade back and you know go to that, that that Steelers pick that you mentioned previously, and he's the pick there, then okay, I'm not as mad at it. But at 11, with you know if guys like Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson are still there, or even Sauce Gardner, then I think like he would be the last option there. So again, I wouldn't hate it, but I just think that there is better guys there without the injury concerns. But like sense. I said, like he's still a very talented player. He's just, we don't have the best luck with injuries. Like we've seen it with Curtis Samuel, as good as Curtis was, you know, he had, you yep. know, kind of the issue and the team knew, and then they still brought him here and then it just kind of lingered. So that, that's kind of the only thing with him. And, it, and it's, an, it's just like with, uh, with sauce, like it's yeah. not really a knock on his game. It's just more so that like, we just, we just don't have the best record with, and I hate to judge prospects off that. But it's just like it's definitely understandable, yeah. especially when they're going to have to play a FedEx field for either eight or nine games a year, which I am definitely worried about with Carson Wentz as well, because. Well, I, so okay, <laughs> so I, I also want to say with Carson Wentz going back to it, not too far, but like I just want to say I had a perception of him that he was soft. I don't know if that was just Philly people rubbing off on me, but then last year he played through two sprained ankles and uh, yeah. tra- helped them try to get that last playoff spot. So he earned my respect there. I will no, I no longer view him as soft, but. 
he's definitely had issues with injuries in the past, and yeah. I, it is something that worries me. The, the, but the crazy thing is, like, the field, like, they completely changed the field. So the field isn't really the problem anymore. I just think it's the stadium itself. Like, it, <laughs> it's cursed. It's, it's cursed. <laughs> Built on a native yeah, burial but, ground using a racist name is it's, it's doomed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, like, Singley's still a very talented player. And obviously, like, if he if he's a pick, I'm not going to hate it. Like, he's still very talented. Yeah. That's just kind of where I'm at with it. Like, I feel like if any of those other options are on the table, and on, and available at that pick, you go there first, then Stingley, and or if you trade back, then you go Stingley. But at eleven, you know, with some of those other guys, I feel like I I value them just a little bit more. But there there's also the possibility that he stays completely healthy the rest of his career. So that's why I'm not completely taking him off the table. But right now at eleven, I, that's not my preference. And I think like of all the the guys that we've mentioned, he's probably the last there just because of something out of his control. But like I said, we don't have the best history with that, so. It's just something I'm at least taking into consideration. I think that that's a fair assessment. And I, I think there's a lot of talent at the top of this class. Someone, yeah. I mean, enough to where some, if somebody messes up, you're getting a top 10 player in the draft at 11. And uh, this is a very, very top-heavy class where you have a lot of talent at the top. There's some depth to it, but the top, the top-end talent is kind of crazy in this class relative to others. And you don't want to end up in a situation like last season where you make a pick you expect him to contribute year one, and he just doesn't. Because uh, no offense to Jamin Davis, he just was not a competent NFL linebacker year one. Still plenty of time for him to improve and get better. You know, the physical profile is still there. Still highly athletic. Just has to be a little bit smarter about the way he plays linebacker. That t- the team completely, completely overthought that pick. Agreed. That Like, no, they – first of all, an executive recently came out and said that Washington – like the rest of the league thinks that Washington is too traditional and thinks that the game is still a like still on the same page as it was 50 60 years ago and they've and I've never seen an executive say something more true <laughs> no like that pick was horrendous from the start and Jam, Jamin still has talent but it should not have been at what, what do we have? Pick nineteen. That 19. should he's not. He should not have been the nineteenth overall pick. He was not a first round talent. He's not a first round guy. I like you said. Like he still can you know pan out. But last year at that pick, that was a horrible a horrible decision. Everybody else had him graded as a round two or even you know some people even had him beyond that. Mm-hmm. This team tried to think outside the box and thought that they were smarter than everybody else and reached. That was not a good pick. I, you know, I'm still holding hype. I'm still holding hope out for him just because, like, we can't change the fact that he got drafted. So I would hate to see a first round top 20 pick, you know, be a just bust. Whiff, but at the yeah. end of the day, everything considered, like, that was not a good pick. And like I said, this team just tried to do something else that they shouldn't have. Like, everybody else was out there making the smart pick and the reasonable pick. And then this team just has to come out of nowhere. And the Cardinals were like the only other team that I can remember who also <laughs> made a trash ass pick. Zane but Collins, like, no, that, that pick made no sense. Like, yes, we needed the linebacker, but if you're going to take any, you take the guy who's actually outplayed Jamin. And now we look stupid because that's the guy everybody wanted anyway. Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, round two. He went one pick after Sam Cosby. Part of the reason I'm like, I'm not as upset about the Jamin Davis pick is that our luck kind of flipped back the other way in round two when we got Sam Cosby. Who has played like a first round pick? Uh, yeah, so but that's, that's so annoying, though. It's very like, irritating. We sh- we, Absolutely, like, we should be able to celebrate the fact that we got a great player at the pick that we did without you know having to contribute that <laughs> without like, adding the asterisk. Like, yeah, like Sam Cosby is a second overall pick. Like we shouldn't have to 
you know, say that that makes up for because he's playing like a first round talent. No, like the team just completely messed up. I'm happy to see that based on like the draft visits and all that stuff that they're seemingly being a bit better about it this year. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if they still make a stupid ass decision just because Ron thinks that he knows it, knows it all. Like that's one of my biggest complaints about Ron. Like for one, like it also seems like he's, uh, he's just trying to chalk it up saying, you know, it's like because of COVID they couldn't talk to prospects. So they just kind of, yeah, like bro, like, like, Every First of other all, you don't even talk to most the of them. Pandemic. Yeah, like the freaking Cowboys, and I and I still I I still a little bit, but that's enough. But the freaking Cowboys got a got that player that they did at their pick. Like it, it's like, possible. Like you know, what I'm saying like I don't I don't want to hear that. Like I think that Ron saw himself in Jammin, and then the fact that his parents are in the military. Like no, like I I really think that he like you you just don't stuff like that just doesn't matter. And I think that Ron overvalues. That type of stuff, and that's how we ended up with that type of pick. But like I said, we can't change it, so I, I, I'm i not trying to yeah. hate on Jammin too bad because I, I do hope that he's still good because at the end of the day, he's a Washington think- commander player, and we picked him at 19, but yeah. I do think his new role will kind of help him out. Uh, forcing him into the mic role I don't think was just advisable at all. Just throwing him into the will role where he can kind of play a little more free and just kind of see ball, get ball will help him immensely, I feel. Uh, he has to sure up his tackling skill, and that's something that can be taught. You can't teach athleticism. You can always teach the skill is what the coaching staff will always tell you. He is still very raw. He is a project player, it turns out. So hopefully the project can actually come to fruition and he can be a quality <laughs> yes. player. But right now he's not. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I am still holding out hope. That the team sure. heads in a positive direction overall. I think whoever we take at 11 will aid in that decision in that direction. However, there is something big going on behind the scenes, and it really sucks because it <laughs> appears the team is also going backwards at the same time off the field. Every time something good comes out, something crappy like that comes out too. And, and, and part of you, you know, is glad that it's coming out because. Everybody, you know, wants the owner gone so right. bad, and these are the type of things that get them out. But it's also like, can we just have Very one sad. day where we can be talked about in a, you know, good light, or we can just not have to worry about the bull crap that comes with being a Commanders fan? I just want to throw out, it's it's just like Olivia Rodrigo said, it's one step forward and three steps back. It's it's bad. <laughs> Shout uh, out to Olivia Rodrigo, <laughs> Grammy award winning. Go stream Olivia. sour. Go stream sour. Agree. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's it just it, it keeps getting worse, Street. I don't know what else yeah. to say. Uh first last season, we see the sexual harassment claims get larger and larger and directly implicate the owner Daniel Snyder. Behind the scenes, you know, allegedly and apparently, this is just my guess, don't sue me for saying this. It appears that Dan Snyder has been sus- suspended by the league, so he now has his wife running day-to-day operations, Tanya Snyder. But- the but crazy he's still thing in the background. That, yeah. And they saying like he's not even in the background. Like they said that he's in the background. Contrary to the reports, like he's been back at the buildings and yeah. still involved in the day to day stuff. So it's just like, dude, it's it's bad. So if I didn't think it could get much worse than that, like they ousted Dan Snyder from day to day operations. They made sure he was staying out of it. Then we come Did to find really? out. They say <laughs> they say a lot of things, but not all of it is true. Um, then. Then this last couple weeks, we have now seen reports that they are withholding financial information from the league 
and keeping two sets of books, which is insanely illegal because they're costing money from the other owners because the ticket revenue is shared amongst the uh, the franchises, I believe. So yeah, it so, actually came out today though that yep they like it it didn't even really hurt the owners it hurt the fans mm-hmm. and the customers more than the actual owners, but. Before we even get into that, what's something that's really bugged me about everything is we had that major sexual assault, I mean, sexual harassment debacle last year, and it seems like it doesn't even matter anymore. Like, now the whole conversation is shifted to the financials, and it's insane to me that the financials might be the thing that gets Dan out of here and not the, you know, claims of sexual, like, the sexual harassment culture. Like, but then again, I'm not really surprised because allegedly you have a lot of other owners who you know, are doing the same things. And it's no wonder that the, the stuff that went on in the building went on for so long and, you know, still going around the league, allegedly, let me say that. But I, I just had to say that because I, it, it's just really disgusting. The but, way that the, the NFL treats women is horrid. It's it's actually disgusting. Between, yeah. And even Deshaun Watson's case, right? Yeah. He was immediately found. He, it was just they couldn't bring official criminal charges forward. So everybody was in a rush to trade for him, and it got done within three days. And it was and, one of the biggest transactions of the offseason. And, like, I, I, I'm so glad you brought it up because I wanted to. I, I just didn't. But it, it's it's just disgusting. Like, I don't know. We don't. We, we will probably never know if he really did it or not. But no, even if you don't know that he did it, the way that the league treated, you know, the way that the league has handled the Watson situation has been disgusting because – from day one, even being accused of this, every, you still had teams calling. Yep. There was teams willing to trade for him, even though they thought, suspected that he might be guilty. Like, it's so disgusting. The, like you said, the day that they announced that the charges wouldn't be made, you had teams calling trying to figure out how can we get this guy. He, like, I, I, I just, Adam Schefter, I just don't, I just don't understand it. Adam Schefter, the league's and ESPN's lapdog, uh, when he tweeted that justice was served. Because no charges were brought forward. That was the day I was the most mad at the NFL. Because yeah. not only are you saying this guy is completely innocent because there's no legal proceedings. Which, by the way, just as a side note, that's almost never the case in real life. Thank you, there's especially with legal, these type of cases. The legal system lets women down constantly in this kinds of in these kinds of cases because of, you know, gray areas and a lot of a lot of other terrible <laughs> things. You have one of the biggest reporters of your sport saying justice has been served because this man's not going to jail, regardless of 22 different women saying he's done insane things like yeah, awful things to women. Yeah. It's, it, I was actually sick. It, it's sickening. And, and, and don't get me wrong. Like if he really didn't do it, then okay. Like I'm, I'm happy for him. Da da da. But like I said, just knowing that somebody has that many accusations and, you know, it's, uh, and it's pretty tricky. Like I said, the way that the teams have handled things and I, and even like and and I you know want to be honest, even being a commander's friend like today, sometimes like it gets to me. And sometimes I wonder like how I do it. And I honestly like question how much I, how much more I can deal with, because I think that the NFL. is can be a very disgusting organization and we've seen it with a lot of other players. One most recently just retired and we've seen yeah. him get so much praise and big Ben. Just, I mean, they're talking about as a first ballot hall of famer, just like, bro, the, like the, the, the things that like, dude, Michael Vick's dog situation was a bigger deal than, you know, people rape accusations. Like it, it's so, it's so sick. Like, 
and and even still the the way the Browns handled it the the way the Browns handled it even to even to this day like I, it's just nasty and and I and I'm somebody that loved Watson when he came out but I I, I cannot look at him the same I don't I don't care I, listen he this is my biggest take on it even if he didn't do what he's accused of and I'm not saying he did or didn't I still think that Watson is very weird because he came out and said that he messed around with most of, or if not all of these women, if you don't still see something wrong with that, why do you have over 20 massage therapists? Like it even came out that his lawyers found 50 other massage therapists to say that they didn't do anything to him. If you don't see a problem with that, if you don't see a problem with that, that's like, no, the, the league and even fans to this day have a, like they and this is something that pissed me off with Commander Strange. If you have the a different fans that were on, on here. If you have a different <laughs> massage therapist every week of the year, that's fifty-two massage therapists. He was too off of that. <laughs> exactly, like bro, it's disgusting, dude. Like so disgusting. And like I said, like the same people that's on here, like oh, kick down out of the league and da da da. Were the same people, like oh, uh, he watching still needs to play. There's people on here that were saying they didn't care if he was guilty or not. He still should be on another team. It, it, I don't know. It's just, it's just sick that how the, the way these things are handled. And like I said, it just really hurts to see that if, if Dan gets ousted, it's not going to be because of right. victims coming out and speaking out. It's going to be because he withheld money from the IRS and withheld money from NFL owners. Like, that's just crazy to me. Winning is the, is the most important thing in the NFL. Regardless of who you are as a person, your value is associated with winning. They look at Deshaun Watson, they don't see a horrendous human being. What they see is a quarterback who threw for 4,800 yards and a quarterback who put in the right situation can win games. Yep. That's sad. That is sickening. And I I apologize to women everywhere on behalf of the NFL because it's pathetic. Yeah, no, it really is. Even even like beyond the NFL, even in some of the things that goes on in college football, it yeah. just really sucks that Sports the things that people yeah. enjoy like has all – like has so much like nasty stuff going on, but uh, back to the financials. Like I said, it just really sucks that that's probably going to be the thing that gets Dan out of here of anything. But um, and we don't I, even I know just, for a fact it will for what it's worth. Yeah, I, and <laughs> I, I just don't understand. Like I said, the fact that stuff is like whether it's the financials or the sexual assault stuff, it's just insane to me that stuff has been going on for over a decade and continue to do so. And if that report didn't come out last year, like it's there's no doubt that. Things would still be the same way as they were. Absolutely, absolutely. I, like I don't. We, doubt you that literally at all. had Larry Michael. If he didn't get named in that report, he would still be working for the team. Uh-huh. Like it's like it's insane. And and there's even reports that he now works for Joe Gibbs. And I'm I'm not going to say too much about that, but it's just okay. it's a shame. It's just a shame. I I just want to I want to read out <laughs> this John Kime quote about this financial thing. So filed to an ES. This is a direct quote from John Kime's Twitter account. Twitter five hours ago today. Filed an update to ESPN on all the allegations in the letter to the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, which is dealing with all this financial stuff. Spoke with Representative Raja Krishnamurti, delegate from Illinois, who said, quite frank, and I quote, quite frankly, as you go through the allegations, it reads like a description of some organization outside, out of the Godfather and not an NFL football team. If you are running a professional sports organization like the Mafia and you just got caught, this could go very, very badly for Dan Snyder, but we don't even know for a fact that it will It will because the NFL has some great lawyers. 
Yeah, but so, not even but not even Dan Snyder because I think this is one of the main reasons that Dan has lasted so long. This situation with Dan can open a whole nother door for the entire league. And I think that that's what the league has been avoiding because I can promise you if Dan has got away with gotten away with this stuff, I can guarantee there's at least one other team that has two or something similar because we already know that there's other teams with assault situations, one being in the division. But I can promise you, as far as the money goes, I would not be surprised if there's at least one other team who has done something similar. That would be interesting. I mean, well, I guess we will know by how hard they're defending Dan Snyder. If they if they just kind of oust him, uh, I guess every other team feels very secure in whatever they're doing behind the scenes. If not, uh, there's some a lot of other shady stuff that Congress <laughs> should probably look into. But even if this does end up being the final nail in the coffin for Daniel Snyder, investigations take time. All mm-hmm. of them. If this does lead to the decision to oust him, I think that's going to take quite a bit of time. And For sure. I would, If I had to put a timeline on it, I honestly, I, I'm not working in any of these cases. I have no idea. I would guess a three to five years kind of timeline for getting him ousted and having these investigations resolved would probably yeah. be along the right lines. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all because one, like, I think there's going to be some, you know, situ- issues with the, the, um, the loan that the league gave. I think that that's something that'll yeah. take a bit of time to, you know, deal with. Because even like the Broncos, they don't have nearly as much controversy as us, but the Broncos are for sale right now. Yep. They've been for sale for a while now. And like no new owner yet. Like it's, it's taking a bit of, it's taking a little bit of time. So if that, if, if a, situ, situ, a simple situation as far as selling the team can take this long, 100%, if Dan is ousted, it's going to take longer than fans want. Like a lot of fans seem to think that like if he's ousted, it's going to be like the next day. Like, no, like this shit is going to we're take gonna time. We're going to be run by the league <laughs> a little bit, probably like the uh, the Charlotte Bobcats were back in the day. It's going to not look great, honestly. I uh, I also think that this was kind of like an under-the-radar thing that happened in the offseason. Yeah. But the Washington football team lost their Anheuser-Busch sponsorship, which was the Bud Light sponsorship. I don't know. I know, Drew, you went to the uh, stadium a bunch last season. There was a lot of Bud Light stuff everywhere. Yeah. They had the Bud Light Lounge. They had, like, every billboard in the stadium was Bud Light. Listen, I'm not too mad at that, though, because I can't believe they gave Tyler Heineke mid-ass a fucking (laughs) sponsorship deal. I'm not mad at it. But I think that's (laughs) a big deal when it comes to the team's financials because that's a major sponsor of not only the team, but I'm pretty sure they're they're the league sponsor as well. I think they sponsor the NFL. So the fact yeah, but, that they backed out from this team specifically, I think, might be an indication that something is coming. I don't know what. But I something. will say though, I don't like. I don't. A lot of fans have been pushing, like, pressuring them to butt out of it too. So I think that that played a role into it as well. So I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if another deal was reached because, like, that's just how things go. Like, the team does lose a lot of money, but the team also. St- still makes a lot of money and we've seen it like there has been over 4,000 new season ticket holders so while the stadium isn't filling up the team is still you know making money like off of these today reports today I don't know if that's necessarily the case (laughs) yeah but I mean even like even with 
the the jerseys and stuff. There was at one point, yeah. the jerseys were some of the best selling in the league. So yeah. the team can still People make some money. Stuff, and, man. you know, with the name change and, you know, everything going on, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some organization that, but, you know, was willing to take a flyer on it. But I am glad you brought up the name change, though, because this kind of feels like that. Like, remember when FedEx initially said they yeah. were going to drop it? Nike said they were going to drop it. It felt like these, these sponsors that were kind of dropping them immediately, one after the other led to the name change, right? It, went, it was what ultimately pressured Dan Snyder to drop the name Redskins and move to something more appropriate in modern times. Yeah, and like, we literally just got a new radio deal. So if they can get a new radio deal, and it's with the biggest radio station, like, in the world, if I'm not mistaken, or at least in the U.S., it's yeah. iHeartRadio. You know how big iHeartRadio is? Yeah. Like, so I, I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they already got a deal in the works. Because if I, and, and, and it might, like, I don't know if Pepsi has a... Um, like a beer company, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was Pepsi because they have a big um stake with Pepsi awesome. too. Like it's they they have a big partnership with Pepsi to the point where Pepsi could be the new sponsor for the new stadium. I mean, yeah, that would be interesting. Get the Pepsi Dome or whatever in uh in some place in Virginia, if I had to guess, because that the whole stadium debacle is also ongoing in the background. I don't know who if anybody's trying to work with uh with Dan Sider at this point, but. That's just going to be kind of a wait-and-see thing. I know Maryland has made an offer of $400 million for uh, Torta Stadium. I think Virginia was last at three hundred from the state funding. Yeah. Hogan said, though, he's like, if if they want a billion or whatever, he said good luck with that. Yeah, I really I do hope it's either in Maryland or D.C. I just feel like – I'm not opposed to being in Virginia, but the, the places that were proposed are fucking dog shit. Yep. It should not be anywhere. I live five minutes from Dumfries. I live five minutes from Dumfries. It would be an awful place for the stadium. I would. Pro- like, I could probably walk there from home, and I would probably <laughs> – I, I still think it would be awful. A, like it, the traffic situation <laughs> in this part of Virginia does not work. Loudon could work. I mean, you would have to extend the, the silver line probably and get an extra stop. Uh, to either like Ashburn or um, I think they were talking about out near Dulles. I think yeah. you could get us. You could get a uh, a metro stop there probably by the time the stadium is finished. I just think like I know Virginia fans have traveled for a while, but I just feel like that's a little bit too far for a team that's supposed to be you know in Washington yeah. D.C. and you know. Our fan base has diminished a little bit over the years, but there's still a lot of people who travel from Maryland. Virginia. Little bit is an understatement. Like to Dulles, like to go to Dulles, like that's a hour, like an hour, over, like almost two hours, like an hour thirty minutes, if I'm not mistaken. That's a long drive for game days. So, like I said, like uh, you know, I'm not a like I want a new stadium at the end of the day, and I'm not opposed to it. But it's like, man, but this is speaking of Virginia. This is something I just got to get this off my chest. I've seen Virginia fans like, oh, they should put a stadium, da da da, because we've had to travel for so long. And it's not fair to uh, like, like, no, first of all, I don't understand what the point is. You're rooting for a Washington, D.C. team. Merlin, most Merlin places are like, at least on the Metro line, yeah. they're five to 10 minutes. Where I used to live, you can get to D.C. in five minutes. Yeah, that's not. I point. don't understand like what that, con- like what that argument is. That's the dumbest shit ever. You cannot live in D.C. You cannot live in Virginia, like, and in the far parts of Virginia, then be confused or complaining about having to travel for a DC team. Like that just doesn't make sense. It's a damn DC team. Yeah. If you live two hours away from DC, you should expect a commute. I would love to put to it get to- either in back in DC, but it doesn't seem to, that seems to be a non-starter just because federal land and stuff, but also uh, near MGM. Like, I think that would be a great. Yeah. DC is so stupid though, because like, I just feel like y'all did all that about the name said, Oh, if they change the name, we're open to it. But now it's like, they want them to still run through all these hoops. And it's like, I mean, I get the sexual assault stuff, but it's like, 
it's like one minute y'all was saying one thing to the next is another. But there's also talk about potentially putting it next to FedEx or knocking FedEx down and, you know, building it up from there. I don't know what happens. I, don't I think know how if that it is done in time is the problem. Like, yeah. if you're knocking down FedEx, <laughs> how are you going to have time to build up a stadium? But I mean, Jason also season? said, like, there's a possibility that the lease in FedEx has to be extended. Like, there's there's a lot hope not, of things happening. It's so, it's that's, such a you know, that's going stadium. on. I really hope we're out of it as soon as possible. But I guess we'll find out. I mean, with all of these things going on in the background, I don't know what domino falls first. But I feel like we're coming to a convergence at some point where yeah. everything gets resolved kind of in quick succession. Hopefully it results in Daniel Snyder's ousting because he stems most of the problems of this organization. Um, and I ain't going to hold you. Uh, if, if, Dan, you if, if Dan gets ousted, I want everybody to go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not mad at that. I mean, like, if you're a new owner, you have every right to bring in everybody like you the, I, Like, I, you know, I think Ron is a – I don't think he's a bad coach. But I also don't think that he's the coach that's going to get us over the hump. So I, can I, agree with that. Yeah. I ain't mad at it. But I'm I also not... don't want a Matt Rule situation and <laughs> yeah. a David oh, Tepper thing. Yeah. That would, yeah, that's a rough one for Carolina. I mean, I'm sure they're – I don't know if they're regretting the Rivera thing, but they're definitely not happy with no, the Rule situation. No, they're not regretting the Rivera thing. Definitely not happy with the Rule situation. So I'm sure they'll find somewhere else and uh, hopefully be in a better situation for them soon. Yeah. Last thing I wanted to touch on, uh, very tragic, very, very sad story out of South Florida. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, 2019 first-round pick uh, by the Washington Redskins, 15th overall, sadly passed away, ripe old age 24. He, uh, under what seemed to be very odd circumstances. So I just want to say I'm, I was very critical of Dwayne Haskins as a player. That did not reflect to what I thought of him as a person. I thought he... Like I, he was doing his best. He was a kid, came into a rough situation, ended up with rough results. It's about as much as you can expect. He seemed to be trying to get his career back on track by going to uh, Pittsburgh. Seemed like a really great dude, Dre. I know you were, you had a yeah. You you loved Dwayne Haskins. Your entire account was dedicated to Dwayne Haskins. At <laughs> yeah, one point. yeah. I yeah, it, I took it hard. Like the first day, it was really hard, and I'm, I probably don't even say too much because I don't want to get all worked up again, but. Now, I, I love Dwayne as a player, as a person, and I, I just feel so bad because not only was he young, but, like, dude, like, was finally getting on the right track and trying to, you know, accomplish his dreams. And, like, it seemed to all be working on his favor, and, like, that's the last thing I would have expected or, you know, wanted or anything. And then just, you know, all the things considered, like, parents should never have to bury their child. He just got married recently. Like, a wife shouldn't have to bury her husband, especially after losing her dad not too long ago. So... It's really just a tragic situation, and, you know, I just want to let it be known, like, I, I love Dwayne, and I I love him like I knew him personally, and I definitely took this one hard, and I just feel like I just want to let it be known, like, to the entire Phantom family and just people in general, like, just know, like, we love you guys, like, and, and, and you know, it's important to tell people that because the next day isn't promised, like, right. like I said, this is the last thing I would have expected, like, I woke up to my phone and I seen a DM and I'm like, bro, like, like, what the hell, like, that's yeah. the last thing I would expect, and it's really just tragic, and right. like I said, you know, at the end of the day, I have a lot of love for Dwayne, that's never going to change, and I actually wanted to wear my jersey, but I forgot it at home, but mm. yeah, Dwayne, just know that I love you, man, and I'm I'm so sad to see that this is going to be the end of the story, and it's, it really just sucks. It does, and suck. I, you know, my prayers and everything is out to his family, and uh, I was know, that's all I can really say. Yeah, I was I was in disbelief. Like I I read it, I woke up, I looked at my phone, I saw the Twitter notification, I was I was in shock. Like wow, 
I yeah. Dwayne Haskins was about a year and a quarter older than me. So whenever I have somebody similar in age pass away, it it really affects me a lot. And this is yeah. somebody whose career I covered I like I was watching very intently and very closely. Yeah. So I mean yeah, like, like you said, like it, it felt personal, even though like we didn't we never knew him or interacted yeah, with him. Like, it was it, it, it's it's somebody that was around a lot in our lives just via reading and stuff and Yeah, it was and a I hard mean like situation. for me and for me like I felt like like a lot of people can't really say like that he followed them or, you know, he actually interacted with him and like that. And I think that's kind of the thing, too. Like, he's the first NFL player who who followed me. Like, I didn't even have to ask too much. Like, and he, he, he liked my tweets and, you know, like stuff like that. So it really just hit hard. And like you said, like, he was a similar age to us. And like, I just remember the Merlin game. Like, that was that was such a tough game for him. And he just handled it with with so much poise and stuff. And, and that's the game where I'm like. I love Dwayne Haskins. Like, I'm a big fan of him. And, you know, like I said, just to see this, you know, be the way that his story kind of concludes, it just really sucks because, I don't know, I, I, it, I it's just really tragic. My heart goes out to his family and his wife. Uh, rest in peace, Dwayne. I, you, you were gone too soon, man. I, there was a lot more you could have done. On that very, very heavy note, I think it's time we end the show. Uh, I wanted to say quick shout out to everybody who's still listening. I know we took a pretty decent <laughs> hiatus there. Uh, it's We are trying to get back to producing content more and more frequently. I will get back about an official schedule. I think we'll get it uploaded. We got an exciting new thing at Phantom Sports launching soon. Uh, keep an eye out for it. Keep an eye on my Twitter for it. My Twitter is at the Moise. Uh, Dre is at Dreesus with three S's, right? Yeah, three yep. S's. It's, yep. And with that being said, see you later.